This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. This morning we're going to talk about holding fast to traditions. Uh, if you've ever wondered why there are so many people in our world that are skeptical, they're, they, um, or of everything, or they believe that anyone can have their own version of the truth, and you just kind of believe what you want, I'll believe what I want, everyone's fine, and we can just do whatever. It's because of the rise of postmodernism. Uh, that's a movement that really uh, started um, you know, in the, around the 40s or so, and it really took off around the 60s and 70s. Uh, some of the basic tenets of this philosophy are claims like there is no objective reality. There's no objective truth. There's no standard that is a universal truth, and there's no such thing as value. There's no, you know, reason is, is also something that is not objective. All these things are subjective, meaning it's dependent on you and your circumstance, your situation, the way you feel about it. Uh, and so uh, everything that we believe to be objectively true is simply a social construct. And, and that word, you know, we're hearing that a lot more and more lately, uh, with people that want to uh, change uh, change society, but a social contra- uh, construct rather is the idea that a group got together and created an idea, and they simply agreed on that idea, and and that means because it's limited to that group, it's not a universal truth. It only applies within that group. Uh, so essentially, the the idea is we cannot be certain about anything because everything is just made up, uh, which it's interesting if you examine the claim itself, it's self-refuting, that there is no objective truth. Are, are you sure? That's, that's my thought uh, with that question. Are we sure? Because that itself is a, is a statement of truth. Um, so, but that's the basic idea. Nothing is certain. It's all made up, and it's all just dependent on what you want it to be. Uh, that's why it's really popular in our culture right now, and it's, and it's just growing more and more to cast off traditions, cast off what is old, cast off you know, what, what has come before uh, in favor for some new type of thing and, and in favor of feelings and experience. Um, so today, people are adverse to following traditions because in their minds, because of this idea and this concept taking root so, so much, is it can't be trusted. We cannot have certainty in it. Uh, so Christianity today, in the mix, and, and a lot of religions uh, in, in this philosophy are uh, reduced down to, to just hokey concepts that are, you know, from supernatural people, and, or uh, superstitious people, rather. So Christianity, in that world, in that light, in our culture today, has been reduced to just this hokey religion. It's for people. It's just outdated. It's out- outmoded. It's oppressive. It's restrictive. And it's not something we need to follow anymore because it doesn't match what's going on today in our world, and it doesn't match our culture. That's kind of the, the ideas, and that's why people have left off so much from Christianity. Um, now, the world is going to do what it's going to do, and they're going to reject God and deny God, and there's plenty of scriptures that indicate that. Um, so that's not as much of a shock that the world would reject uh, Christianity um, and God in general. Um, and it's, it is good to test things. It is good to question things. Um, there, in fact, God is not afraid of us doing that, um, and, and I think we need to be comfortable with that and understand that. He wants us to verify what is true. Yeah, if you have a Bible or an app, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 20 uh, through 21, 
And there in 1 Thessalonians 5, there in verse 20, he says, Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. The apostles taught and God taught in, in various other scriptures that we should hear but test all things and prove all things. See what is true, sift through, through the information that you're receiving, find out what is from God and, and hold fast to that. Stick to what is true and what is good and right. Um, but the issue is this postmodern idea has led to a lot of problems within Christianity itself. So I'm going to just kind of zoom in and focus just on this realm, and I'm speaking about it broadly. And that's any group that claims to be Christians is, is what I'm going to use that term for uh, in this study. Uh, so it's caused a lot of problems, and it's steadily creeping into the church. And a lot of people are influenced by these ideas. And uh, even groups that identify themselves as Christians are very overtaken with this concept that there's really no objective standard. Everyone can, is free to do whatever they feel like and whatever they want. Um, and it's common to hear uh, people that call themselves Christians Talk about being spiritual, but not religious. I've heard that phrase a lot from, from people, and a lot of young people even, but it says, you know, that's kind of what they say. And really what they mean by that is that I believe in God, but I'm not really concerned with following any specific commandments or any instruction. There's no specific thing that I need to do in order to, to be pleasing to God. And so the idea is that being religious means you're just trying to follow rules, you're just trying to follow regulations, and that's not what I want to do. I just want to have this feeling that God approves of what I'm doing and, and call it good. Um, it, it's expressed in ways like this where people say, it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. That's a phrase that gets thrown out a lot. And again, that points to something that's way more subjective because it's about you and your feelings and how you feel in this relationship with Christ. And they'll contrast that to following a rule book, and they look at the scriptures as just this outdated set of rules that doesn't really apply to us today. So we shouldn't follow rules. It's all just about a relationship. But ultimately, if you really dig in and look at the phrase and examine it and look at the meaning of it, what is being communicated is the idea that I want God to be pleased with me, following my own self and my own standard, rather than His truth and His standard. Uh, that's, that's really what, is, what it boils down to. Um, and it sounds really good, right? It sounds so freeing. We can take this burden of, of uh, this responsibility off of ourselves because we don't have to follow rules. It just sounds so nice. And it sounds, you know, like you can go skipping through a flower field and it's all nice and rosy and it's, and it's happy. Uh, but it's dangerous. The truth is that, that that mentality is dangerous because it encourages people, encourages us to do whatever we think is good and then have a false sense of righteousness. And we just put this uh, label on ourselves or this stamp of approval on our own selves and say, well, God is happy with me. And that's dangerous. Paul lamented the Jews having this same type of mind, uh, mindset in Romans chapter 10. In Romans 10, verse 2 and 3, uh, Paul talked about the Jews and how they had a, a great zeal for God. And he says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. See, the Jews, uh, they didn't have the idea that they were trying to be spiritual but not religious, but the principle was there in the sense that they went to establish their own idea of what it meant to be righteous and followed that in favor of what God said was righteousness. Um, and so 
that's very true about people that have this idea. Uh, they want to be pleasing to God, but on their own terms is, is what it boils down to. Uh, so these ideas, they have a veneer of godliness, and it looks godly because they're using Christian words and Christian terms, and people attach Bible verses to, to these kinds of ideas. But it's a really a serious threat to, to the church, and we should not take it lightly. Um, and the outcome today is that people think that there's people that call themselves Christians that believe and reject the idea of obeying the commandments of God. And somehow, doing what God has asked us to do has become evil. And, you know, this isn't much of a shock either, because this happened to the people of Israel. The more they strayed away from God, the more things started to get twisted and warped. And you look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, the prophet laments here in, in Isaiah 5, verse 20. He says, "'Woe to them that call evil good and good evil.'" that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He says, woe into this mentality and this idea, because this is what was happening in Israel. They exchanged the true value of things and started to look at things in a just totally got, got their wires crossed and started saying, here's all these evil things that people are doing. That's actually the standard of what is good. Here's all the stuff that people are doing that is got, got, God considers what is good, but that's evil now, and we shouldn't be doing that. And so they've reversed these, uh, these standards. And that's the world we live in right now. The standards are, are reversed, and if you try to do what is good, people will, will call you evil. If you do what is evil, people will praise you for it and laud you for that. Um, you'll get all kinds of uh, likes on social media if you, you, know, you do something that's evil and you parade around doing that and you, you know, uh, celebrate these ideas. So in light of all of this, because that's the world we live in, I think it's important for us to examine a few questions about ourselves, about our, our faith, about our religion, Christianity itself, um, in, because we're going to come up to a lot of these discussions. If you haven't already, you're going to have these discussions with people, and people are going to say these things more and more. So the first thing we ought to start with and, and ask, is that true? Is Christianity outdated? Is it something that's not even relevant for today? Uh, notice what Paul said in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. There in Titus 2, starting in verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that de denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the, the salvation that God has brought to the world the instruction that he's given through Christ is intended to help us deny ungodliness and change our lives to do something else, and that's live in holiness. Somebody might say, well, you know, all that stuff about denying ungodliness and worldly lust and, and, and having self-control, all of that's written for the people of the time, and it doesn't really apply to us. Um, and generally, what people mean by that is the, the commandments just don't apply, but they will not deny that salvation is is irrelevant. They still they still promote salvation. They want people to be saved. They want you to feel approved. Yet they don't want the commandments that are attached to that. So somehow the commandments of Christ that help us transform our life are no longer relevant. And it seems like people want all the reward. They want heaven. They want approval from God. 
but they want that without all the effort and all the work that it takes to do that. And you just cannot separate these two concepts. Uh, so is it truly irrelevant? He says it's for this present world, the world we live in. God has given us these commandments for us to follow in the world that we live in today. Um, and this was something that was, is, is true because the commandments are universal. Uh, look, look back to the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, and we see when people began to hear the instruction that God wanted them to have, these ideas of living godly and righteously and soberly in this present world. In Acts chapter 2 is, is when it happened. In verse 42, they begin to, to preach the message of the kingdom, to preach the message of the gospel. And what did the early Christians do? The first Christians to be baptized into Christ and to, uh, to be part of this new kingdom that they were preaching as far as the Great Commission goes. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to focus on that part that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What the apostles were teaching by inspiration of the Spirit, they were following steadfastly. These were the instructions of how to live godly and righteously and soberly in this present world. Um, and that's what the New Testament is comprised of. These instructions, the commandments, the, uh, the education that we receive and how to live a holy life, is what the apostles were teaching, and they were meant to be passed down from generation to generation. It's not something that had an expiration date and something that was only for their time. Uh, the verse did not say that we should live righteously, soberly, and justly, or uh, and godly in only their time period, and it was only for them. It's, it's for all of us, and, and we know that by the simple fact that it's meant to be perpetual. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 in verse 2, Paul instructed Timothy and said, The things that you have heard among, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul told Timothy, You heard this message from me, the apostle's doctrine, right? He was an apostle. He says, Take that and follow that and t teach other people to follow that and help them teach other people to follow that. So it's something that's supposed to spread and to be perpetual. Um, and the thing about these commandments, the, the teachings of the apostles of, that teach us how to live godly and soberly and righteously in this present world, they never lose their re relevancy. They're never outdated and never outmoded because Christ never changes. In Hebrews 13, 8 through 9, it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Christ is the standard and he's not going to change. The... the, the, the standard and the ideal that we're living up to is not going to shift and change under our feet. It's a solid foundation that we can stand on. And, and it encourages us there in Hebrews 13 to not be carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Don't let ourselves be carried about by that because no matter what comes, Christ is a solid foundation. It's not going to change. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through, uh, tw or 21 rather, Paul said to him, to Christ, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Something forever and ever as we continue on in this world, uh, throughout all ages of this world and this life, until the coming of Christ, of course. But he says this is a perpetual glory that the church is supposed to be showing and displaying. And it's rooted in these, the, the commandments that the apostles received from the Holy Spirit that comes directly from the mind of Christ and from, from the mouth of God. And so, no, the commandments of the New Testament 
and Christianity is not outdated. It is still just as applicable today as it ever was. Um, it helps us to understand how to navigate this present world that we live in. Um, and it is not, as some would slanderously report, archaic or irrelevant. Or it's not just an outdated rule book for self-righteous people who are hateful or homophobic or sexist or bigots. That's not the case at all. But truly, the scripture is a life-changing and life-giving instruction from God that helps us be righteous. It helps us to be self-controlled and to discipline our own selves, uh, controlling our desires, controlling our lust, and denying those things. It helps us to be servants to the people around us, and it helps us to avoid the eternal exile from God uh, that could happen if we choose to not follow Him. It, it's empowering, and it's life-changing and life-giving. That's truly what the Scriptures are, and that will never, ever be outdated. It does not matter what happens. does not matter what age doesn't matter the, the past or present or future. It is Godliness is always relevant. Holiness is always relevant. So if that's the case and Christianity is not outdated, maybe it's traditions that are wrong. You hear a lot about that. Maybe it's just the traditions that people have wrong. Because God hates tradition. That's what a lot of religious people want to say. Uh, Christians, Christ, people within Christianity rather, want to say that God hates traditions. Is, is that true? It seems that way, right? Because he chastised the most traditional group that were very extreme with following traditions, the Pharisees. And he rebuked them sharply for, for this mindset. And in fact, in Matthew 23, verse 15, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he is made... You make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. So it seems to imply that because they converted them to their traditions and their own religion, their, their own religious ways, that, that that's bad. They shouldn't do that. So that seems to verify it, right? Well, not, not completely. You have to look at more of what Jesus said to the Pharisees and examine their ways and their, their customs and their traditions because when you do that, we'll look at Matthew chapter 15 uh, next. Matthew chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 1. The problem is that not that they wanted to uphold a standard, a tradition, a, some kind of religious practice. That's not the problem. The problem was with the traditions themselves that they were following. That's the issue. It's not the desire to follow God. It's, it's what you're doing to follow God. That's the problem right there, and, and that's identified in Matthew 15. Beginning there in verse 1, it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tra tradition of the elders? They were concerned with this. They weren't washing their hands before they ate. But they wash not their hands uh, when they eat bread. But Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandments of God by your traditions? That's the real question. That's the real issue here. They were transgressing God's commandments by their own standards that they created. And so he poses this question, and he gives them an example. He says, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. And he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. 
That's the standard they set. God said, it is wrong to dishonor your father and mother. The Pharisees came along and said, here's a way out of that. And if you do it, you're not, it's okay if you don't honor your father and mother. So that's what Jesus pointed out to them. You see, they changed the standard. And when they followed their own standard, they were filled with all kinds of self-righteousness, thinking, look how great we are. We're really godly because we're following this idea. And he points out rightly, he says, Thus, you have made the commandments of God of none effect by your tradition. You have nullified the commandment of God. You have taken away the effectiveness of it because of the tradition that you're following. It's not the, pro- the, the word of God is not the problem. It's, the, it's the, the ways that people twist it is the problem. In verse 7, he says, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah the prophet prophesy of you, saying, This people draws nigh to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips. It all looks good and it all sounds good, right? But their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Do you see the contrast that Jesus is making for us very clearly? It is, it is vain worship, meaning the worship you think you're giving God and He's going to be so happy with is empty and it is, it is uh, fruitless. It amounts to nothing and it is not pleasing to God. If what we're doing is taking a tradition or some commandment, some standard, some idea that we come up with and hold, that, hold to that and hold other people to that, instead of simply what the scriptures say. That should be our goal. And, that's, and I believe that is our goal here at this congregation and, and in our lives. And, uh, but that's how, w- what we ought to do. What does the scripture say and how do we help each other keep that? That's what we ought to care about the most. Not... not you know, some kind of traditions that people <laughs> cling on to and then make that the standard of righteousness. Um, and there's plenty of that that happens, and we ought to be very careful of that. The Jews were rejected because they rejected the commandments of God. And so truly, God is against people that replace or twist His doctrine with something they make on their own. They make it up of their own accord. And, and He is against any person that causes other people to be in error and because that causes people to stray from Him. So, is God against traditions? No. Is He against the wrong kind of traditions? Yes. So, look at 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15. And and I can give a confident answer on this question because of what Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians. Here in chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions that you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. You see, he says, hold fast the traditions... And what traditions were those? He says, steadfastly follow the, the doctrine of the apostles. It all, you go back to Acts 2, they started to hear and, do and learn, hear and learn and do what the apostles were teaching them because that comes from God. And Paul says, don't leave off from doing those things. Those are the traditions that we need to follow, that you have been taught. The, for the word from the apostles and the epistles, the letters that they wrote, he says, these are the things we need to hold fast. That means you grip onto it tight and you don't let it go. So God is not against traditions. He's against, he's against traditions that nullify His commandments and destroy the effectiveness of His Word and cause people to be in error. That's what He's against. So what is it? Again, what, what is it that they were taught? Well, we answered that looking at Acts 2, but He continues uh, or wrote previously to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 through 3 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus 
that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and praise God, so you would abound more and more. That's what he wanted them to do. Those are the traditions that he wanted them to follow. How we ought to walk, meaning how we ought to live and conduct ourselves um, in, this, in this present world, and how to be pleasing to God and how to praise him so that we would abound more and more. Uh, that's what he wants us to increase in. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So the goal is for us to be sanctified. He delivers ordinances to them from God that would help them walk worthy of God and be pleasing to Him. Um, and the reason we've received these scriptures is so that we can be sanctified, not so that, that we're following some, again, it's not some hokey religion where we just go and it's like, okay, I'm going to do all these things and I'm checking all these boxes and saying, okay, I went to church and I read the Bible and I did this and I did stop doing that. That's not the point. The point is a true transformation of our heart and our mind that teaches us how to be pleasing to God. Um, it's a matter of us not just comforting ourselves by going, okay, here's all the stuff I'm doing. No, it's I'm growing and increasing in these things. I'm abounding in these things. And that means my sanctification. That means holiness. That means I'm growing more and more as someone that's set apart uh, in God's holiness, set apart from this world. That's what it means to be sanctified. Uh, and, and the Bible is clear that despising the, the traditions that we have received from God is dangerous. And we ought not to leave off these things, hold fast to them. Uh, because our holiness, if we leave off from these commandments, there is no way we can be holy. We can't make up our own ideas of what is pleasing to God and say, okay, that makes me sanctified. That's not how it works. We have to follow His instruction and His commandments that He gave us if we want the result of being sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7-8 through 8 says, God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. That's what God wants from us. It's not some set of restricted rules. I mean, John said, the commandments of God are not grievous. It's not intended to be some horrible burden in our lives where it's like, oh man, I can't do this thing that I really want. It's to teach us to not want the th those things. Our lusts are not good. And God wants us to really understand that and get to the heart of the issue so that we can start valuing what is good and what is right and what is holy. It feels restrictive to us when we're not committed to following those commandments. That's when it starts to feel restrictive and we feel oppressed or we feel like, oh, God's keeping me from something. It's because there's an issue deeper inside that we haven't addressed yet. But the point is God is wanting us to, to be holy, not to, not to live some you know, miserable life where there's nothing, you know, some people look at it that way, and I probably looked at it that way early on as a Christian. It's like, man, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Well, that's not true. He wants us to abound in joy. He wants us to abound in, in what is good and what is right, and in love and in peace and in, in all of these beautiful qualities that the Scriptures will help you develop, and it's all unto holiness. Now, if we reject those things, again, there's no, there's no way we can grow in those things. All we'll have is a counterfeit peace. All we'll have is a counterfeit righteousness. He says in verse 8 there, in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, He therefore that despiseth 
despises not man, but God who gave us, uh, gave unto us his Holy Spirit. So if we look at these traditions and these commandments that we've been taught and that were handed down from the apostles who were eyewitnesses of the glory of Christ, and we can have certainty about their, their eyewitness and we can trust that and verify these things, if we reject these things, we're not rejecting a man-made religion and some ideas that came from, from guys as, as people want you to believe, that this is all just some constructed thing to keep power or keep control over people. I used to believe that before I was a Christian. Uh, because it's easier to think that than it is to just acknowledge that, okay, I need to change my life and do something different now. Uh, but if we reject those things, we're not rejecting humans. We're rejecting God. That's what Paul is saying. Um, so people that reject the traditions of Christianity, as we find them in the New Testament, are rejecting God himself. So, okay, the church is not outdated. Christianity is not outdated. Traditions are not wrong. We need to follow the right traditions. But what about obedience, right? It's not about obeying and, and doing something, right? Because that's what people say. It's not about following rules. That's not what Jesus wants from you. But is it? Now, there's a lot of so-called Christians out there that seek to divert faith by claiming that Christianity is not about rules. And in fact, uh, I was having a conversation with someone, and they told me, it's not about rules. Rules are meant to be broken. And I, and I was sitting there in just unbelief, just going, what am I hearing? Um, and any attempt to share Scripture was met with resistance. It was unbelievable, just, just the amount of uh, tension and, and resistance to the Scriptures. But there are a lot of people like that in the world calling themselves Christians, trying to help disciple people, and they're teaching and perpetuating that idea in people's lives. Uh, that's why it's so critical for us to stop and think and examine, about, uh, examine these questions a little bit deeper. Um, no, rules are not meant to be broken. <laughs> we looked at the examples of the Pharisees and we noted why they were rejected. It's because they followed, not because they were wanting to follow God's commandments, but because they made up their own commandments and called that God's commandments. And they caused people to be diverted from true faith. And in contrast, there's other examples in the scriptures like uh, the parents of John the Baptist. If you look at Luke chapter 1, uh, there in 5 and verse 6, verse 5 and verse 6, it says that there was in the days of Herod, the king of, of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, that's John the Baptist's father, uh, of the course of Abiah, that's the family line he comes from, and his wife was a daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So Zacharias and Elizabeth are the people we're talking about. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. These people were considered righteous and holy before God because they were following the commandments. They were obeying the things that God wanted them to obey. They weren't considered, uh, they weren't considered um, legalists because they wanted to follow all the ordinance. God was pleased with that. He didn't look at them and go, oh, you guys are rule followers, and I hate that. That's not what it says. God was well pleased with them, and they were blameless. What's the difference then between a people like Elizabeth and Zacharias and the Pharisees who were so into following rules? Again, the problem is what they were following, not the fact that they had a desire to, to be serious about obedience. 
One was self-righteous. The Pharisees were self-righteous and self-seeking, and it was all built upon their own ideas, and the other was done to please God. Zacharias and Elizabeth were not trying to skirt uh, around the commandments of God. They weren't trying to get around the instructions that they had received in the Old Testament. Zacharias was a priest, and he took that duty very seriously. And Elizabeth took, took uh, being a, a godly child of, of God and a daughter of the Lord very seriously. And, it's, and it shows in what is described, and how they're described, rather. So the, the whole motive is different between these two, the Pharisees and Elizabeth and, and Zacharias. So to say that we don't need obedience to God, again, is a rejection of Christ in favor of obeying yourself, in favor of... of lifting yourself up and counting yourself as holy based on your own ideas. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. Uh, if obedience is not important, why did Jesus say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? And there's a whole culture of people right now in, in, that call themselves Christians that say, I believe in Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. But you point out the commandments that we have to follow, and they say, well, we don't need that. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Why should we ever call Jesus our Lord, but we're not going to be willing to do what he's asked us to do? We, if, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, we have to follow the teacher and follow what he, what he asks us to do and model our lives after him. Now, of course, we can get uh, so focused on... on we need to be very serious about obedience, but we also don't need to, we, we need to be careful because we don't need to get to the point where we believe that because we're so good at uh, submitting ourselves to the commandments, that that's the source of our salvation or that's the source of our righteousness. Uh, Christ is the source of that, but the motive, it's all about the motive that we have when we're following His commandments. And it has to be motivated by love for Christ. 1 John 5, 2-3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. It's all intertwined and deeply connected. Keeping His commandments, being a follower of God, but it's all held together by this concept of love. He says, This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. They are supposed to help us. They are intended to help us grow, and they will if we submit ourselves to them and devote ourselves to following them in love. John 14, Jesus said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. It's as simple as that. If we love Christ, we're going to want to do what he says. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You want to be one with Christ? You want to be united? You want to feel the presence of God in your life? Keep his commandments. Um, he that loves me not does not keep my sayings, and he points out, the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So again, if we're rejecting the words of Christ, we're ultimately rejecting God himself. That's, it's, it's, uh, the scriptures point that out to us as, as simple as, as that. But it has to be motivated by love, of course. So what about religion? Okay, the church is not irrelevant. Yeah, we need to follow traditions. Okay, we need to obey the word of God, but... Somebody might object and say, but God hates religion, right? He doesn't want us to be religious. Well, I think that's, a, that's not an appropriate um, view either. I don't think when you compare it to what the scriptures say, it, that just doesn't hold water at all. Um, James chapter 1, verse 25 through 27 makes that very, very clear to us. 
James 1.25, he says, But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, that implies you're listening to it, you're keeping it, you're wanting to improve in, in your growth and understanding this law of liberty and walking and uh, ordering your life around these principles. He says, If you do that, and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, but does not bridle his tongue, that means you're not listening and not really having self-control. You're not really changing what's inside of you. You're not really uh, transforming your life because you're not able to bridle your tongue. But instead, you're deceiving your own heart, claiming to be a religious person, but, not, but your actions don't match. He says, this person's religion is vain. Now, does God hate religion? That kind of religion, yeah. Absolutely. God hates uh, fake religion. That's, what he, that's the problem with the Pharisees. Their religion was fake. It wasn't a true heart change. Their heart was so far away from God, but they gave lip service, and, you know, I'm a Christian, and I'm so, you know, I love following Christ, but then their actions don't match. They're, they're out of step with, with that standard. That's what God does not like. So what kind of religion does God want from us? Verse 27, he says, pure religion. That's what God wants from us, pure religion. Now what is that? Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. These two concepts are what may, are, are the principles of uh, pure religion. And if you look at them closely, you'll see that it is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind because you're keeping yourself unspotted from the world. You're following His commandments. You're, sanct you're sanctified. You're keeping yourself separate from the world. And you're loving your neighbor as yourself. You're visiting those who are in need. You're visiting the fatherless and the widows, those who, who uh, have no one to be there for them. You're going to be there for them. And so it affects other people. So it's loving God and loving your neighbor. It's rooted in these two, these two things, and that's pure religion. There's a difference, again, just to, just to continue to clarify this, there's a difference between false religion and pure religion. False religion is an outward appearance that fails to really change your heart and your actions, uh, like the Pharisees. And all it does is produce love for yourself. That's all that you will gain. This is the kind of religion that God hates. He does not want us to be to have this kind of religion. Pure religion, on the other hand, is one that transforms your heart. It changes who you are. It starts there, and then it produces changed actions because it shows and matches the change that's happening inside of you. And it is rooted in love for God and for other people. That's the blessing of pure religion. That's the kind of religion that God loves, and that's what He approves of and wants us to, to pursue. Um, so those are some important questions that we've examined and looking to the future a big question is tougher days there are tougher days that are coming and this is not going to get any easier these conversations and these questions that people have the objections that people want to make against Christianity it's just going to increase so what can we do about it what are the things that you and I can do to be prepared to handle what, whatever may come next uh, well first of all Pay attention. 
Let's not go through this life willy-nilly. Let's not go through this life without intention, without looking around us and observing our surroundings. Um, because if we're distracted and we're not, we don't care and it's just kind of carefree and we're kind of doing whatever, just kind of going with the flow, whatever, that's, that's going to be our downfall. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. That means be watchful. Pay attention to the surroundings around you and be vigilant about that. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he, whom he may devour. There, the enemy is out there, the enemy that is Satan, he is out there and wants us to fail and fall and to be killed and to be destroyed and to reject God. That's what he wants from us. And if we're not paying attention and we're not watchful, we're going to fall right into that trap and be consumed by that lion. So first thing is pay attention. Let's, let's shake, shake this off of ourselves and let's awake to righteousness. Let's open our eyes to what's happening in the world around us and the fact that, that Satan wants us to fall. Let's not be naive about that. Let's be serious-minded about it and call it for what it is. The next thing I think we can do is to, is to guard against false ideas. And how, how we do that is by increasing in our knowledge of Christ and knowledge of the Scriptures. Uh, Colossians 2 gives us that warning in verse 8. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Be careful about the things that you're consuming, the things that you're listening to, the things that you're, 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 uh, you're interested in. Be careful about those things. Don't be persuaded to follow the traditions of men. Really examine some. If somebody comes to you with some great religious idea and some religious philosophy, okay, hear them out, but prove all things. Find out whether or not the Scriptures teach these things. Don't take their word from them. Don't just take people's word for it, including mine. You're hearing all these things, but I would never want you to just blindly accept what I'm saying. You need to understand the scriptures enough and go study it so that you can verify what I'm saying and see for yourself that this is what God expects of us. Don't go blindly following the traditions of men that are crafted after the, the earthly wisdom and rudiments of this world and are not built on Christ. So the only way we can guard against those ideas is, is knowing our scriptures better and understanding them better so that we can say, oh, you know what, I heard that thing, but actually, it sounds off because here's this passage or here's this verse where Paul talks about that very thing. Um, you know, today it's very popular for this, the prosperity gospel, as it's called. It's a gospel that teaches you're going to be wealthy and you're going to be rich and you can pray and you can name it and claim it. And all these kinds of ideas and the Joel Osteens and the Kenneth Copelands of the world are out there on television uh, duping millions of people into these ideas. And they're fooled. And they're being made merchandise of by these men. But these people don't know because, oh, well, wait, Paul said that godliness, that gain is not godliness? Oh. See, if you'd read that and they could see that these men are, are false teachers that are just taking advantage of them, they would, they would be able to guard against those ideas. So we have to have education in the Scriptures and know, not, not education in, in higher... Uh, learning or some kind of degree. That's not what I mean. We just need to take time to read it and learn it and understand it. 
That's the best thing we could do for ourselves and for our, our children. The third thing we can do is examine the fruit. Beyond just examining the words that people are teaching you, examine the fruit of the people that are teaching you. Look into their lives. Look at the outcomes of, what they're, of how they're living. Paul said that to Timothy. Watch me, watch how I live, and see that it's all, you can verify it that way. Jesus said the same thing, Matthew 7, verse 15. He said, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. It all looks good. It all sounds good. They, they play a part, but inside they're ravening wolves. How can we know? That seems so dangerous to think that, that there are evil people in disguise that are just covering up their unrighteousness with a veneer of godliness and holiness, and they say, I'm a Christian just like you. And then we let our guard down, and then before we know it, we're being consumed by the lion and the wolves. He says, you shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs from thistles? The answer is no. Look at the fruit of the people's lives that are teaching you. What is the product of their life? What is it that they're producing? How does their life look? What are their actions? What are their behaviors? And see whether or not these things are so as another level of examination of people that come to you with, with any kind of idea that says, this is a Christian idea. And then they might put the Bible in your face and point to verses and all these things. It's easy to twist the scriptures, folks. That's why so many people are deceived in this world today. So we, but we need to examine the fruits of these people and these teachers. And as we learn and we study and we grow and we examine and we sift through what is right and what is wrong and the ideas that are out there that are, that are rooted in, in earthly wisdom that are ultimately going to produce nothing, don't lose or give up what Jesus and the apostles bled and died for. Hold fast to the, the commandments of the scriptures. Hold fast to the teachings of Christ. He gave his life for it, and so did the apostles. That's how much it means. And we ought not to let that work that they did, the sacrifices that they made, just go to waste and be all for nothing. John said that very thing in 2 John 1, verse 7. He says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And any anyone, we know that term is used by end times and, and doomsday preachers and all this kind of stuff. The, the term antichrist is not a specific person. It's just anyone who rejects Christ. So he says, there's a lot of deceivers that come into the world. Look to yourselves and lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. He says, pay attention and guard yourselves. Don't lose what has been worked for so much. So much has been given for this truth and the scripture and this knowledge, this light that, that helps us to grow in godliness. Don't give that up. And as we learn and do these things that Jesus died for and the apostles died for and were martyred for, it's encouragement for us to do what's right in the face of a culture that says not to. Do what is right regardless of what's going on in the culture. Listen to God's voice 
If you're a sheep of, of Christ, if you're part of his fold, listen to the voice of the shepherd. Don't listen to the voice of the wolves and the lions who want to use, uh, who are imitating and are counterfeits, who want to lure you away so that you can be devoured and consumed. Don't, be, don't let yourself be slain. Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 16, he says, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, so that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life and holding forth the word of life. Folks, it's a crooked and perverse world that we live in. Don't let yourself be influenced by those ideas. It does not matter if, if 99% of the population got together and agreed and said, this is right, whatever it is. Let's say drunkenness. They say, okay, this is, drunkenness is great for you, and it's going to be so amazing for you. It does not matter if 99% of the world agrees. The fact that the scriptures tell us and God's voice says not to be drunken, not to be consumed with those things and let those things control your life and dominate your life. That should be enough for us. And we should hold fast to those things. Because when we do that, we're living out the scriptures and we're shining a light to other people in the world and they're seeing a different standard. They're seeing a contrast because it stands out when we're lights in a very dark world. So hold forth the word of life and do what is right regardless of what your friends the peer pressure, the culture, your family, does not matter. If they're teaching you something contrary to the scriptures, don't follow that. There's a whole lot of dangers that are ahead. Seems like more and more any standard of righteousness or morality is just unraveling quickly, and it really is. But we have an obligation to, to be people that hold these traditions, hold, hold fast what God has taught us, contend for the faith, and do that in a way that's meek and, and not, not saying let's get out there and yell in people's faces. I'm saying let's be meek and holy, let's be blameless, let's be harmless as we seek to, to submit our lives to the scriptures because ultimately that is what's going to give us the value we're looking for. That's really going to change us and give us what we're, what we're hoping for a place to belong, a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of, of redemption from our, our stupidity and our mistakes. This is what God offers to us. I'll leave you with one last verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. This encouragement that Paul gave to Timothy is encouragement for us all in the face of, of the darkness of this world. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, that is, the flee unrighteousness and the things that are, that are of the world. But instead, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession among, uh, before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickens all things. That means he gives life to all things. And before Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to fight that good fight. Continue to, to 
hold fast to the traditions that we've been taught by the apostles and have for, for our instruction, our learning. Do what is good and right and, and look and work towards that crown at the appearing of Christ um, because it's, it's difficult, but it'll all be worth it when Christ returns and finds us to be faithful servants of his kingdom. Um, don't let the world deceive you, but hold fast the traditions. If you're here this morning and perhaps you've let these ideas creep into your mind or you feel the influence of ungodliness pulling you away and you are convinced and you are uh, starting to, to stray away from the scriptures and, and the life of godliness that God wants from us, uh, that happens. That happens to, to us at times. And doubts creep in and fears creep in and we start to feel some kind of tension and we start to feel maybe some resentment. Look, we want to help with that and pray with you um, because that's not a good place to stay for long. And the scriptures are the light that you need in your life. Um, and, and we all will feel that way at some time and some point in our life. But if you want to make some changes in your life and you want to grow and you want to experience that, that presence of God in your life and have him abide with you and you with him, he wants that and we want that as a family of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and these are uh, challenging concepts and challenging things that you're hearing and you're realizing that we do need to obey the instruction of the scriptures. We do need to follow what God has taught us and not just what our own heart wants. What he teaches us is to submit ourselves to the, to the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. Be baptized into Christ so that we can have our sins washed away, we can be sanctified, we can start life all over again with a clean slate and all the errors that we've ever made can be washed away and we can live in pursuit of holiness and righteousness. That's what God wants for, for you if you're in the audience and are thinking on these things and uh, feel convicted by the scriptures. Um, it's all for your holiness and righteousness in, in either case. It's all a good thing. So if you need help from the church, if you're a Christian that needs prayers, or if you're a, someone who wants to become a Christian, we are here, and God is here waiting with open arms for you. Please come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.